0: Are you ready? Yeah, yeah, yes! uh, Let's get ready to rumble.
1: Can't wait. This, this, this is Martin on the mic on the A1 Sports Network.
0: Bow to the masters. Break it down. How you doing, everybody, and welcome to the Moffat on the Mic radio show, courtesy of the A1 Sports Network. I am Craig Moffat, and of course, this show would not be complete without the people's producer, the production stylings of the founder of the A1 Sports Network, Mr. Chris Klum.
1: What's up, Craig?
0: Clem, I would have done the whole spiel, but we don't have a lot of time before Jack gets here, so <laughs> I, I thought it would take too long. You already know what you are. So I would say,
1: yeah, I got too many jobs here as it is. <laughs>
0: Nice to see the Dirt Devil has finally been moved away from its spot. That like, <laughs> I feel like it's been there since the inauguration of this show. <laughs> um, I am pretty psyched about today's show. We are thrilled to have uh, from uh, Creative Pro and indie, pre- indie Wrestling wrestler Jack Tomlinson is going to join us in about five minutes. And Clem um, is of course wearing the BSK shirt today for some weird reason. And uh, not and a Jack Tomlinson people. shirt yet. Jack has a new <laughs> shirt. I know. I looked at it today. Yeah, it's I was like, it's pretty, pretty nice. The gray, it's pretty cool. I like it. So uh, we're going to talk to him about everything, uh, about the world of indie wrestling. And, um, you know, he was all, he's also been on 205 Live. He's been on Raw. So we have a lot to talk about with him. And uh, just to give you guys a heads up, Friday, we're going to be talking to Titans beat writer for USA Today, as well as for um, LSU football. We're going to be talking to Chrissy Freud. And uh, it'll be our first college football uh,
1: reporter, Clem. I'm excited for that because yeah. I want, I've been like, wanting to talk some college football and especially some LSU football, considering they lost like 90% of their team last year. <laughs> it's yeah. hardest, I mean, at least.
0: Life without Joe Burrow, whether it begins in September or not, we don't even know if they're still going to have a season yet.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: It's going down. But um, Chrissy Freud's going to join us Friday, and uh, we're very excited to have her on. And then next Monday, we're going to be doing a little fantasy fantasy sports We'll be talking to Mark Salino from Statement Games. He's going to be giving us some picks for the week, especially with baseball starting tomorrow with the Yankees and the Nationals and the Mets begin Friday against the Atlanta Braves. So um, some quick notes today. Um, interesting uh, Jets news today. I don't know if you saw it the Woody I Johnson
1: saw I saw it. Uh,
0: <laughs> I mean this just this story just gets worse and worse as it, you know, as it goes on. Um, for all of you who have been under a rock today and not knowing what's going on, apparently Woody Johnson is under investigation. For um, some racist and sexual comments uh, made towards, I guess, staff or towards, um, you know, employees. I didn't really get a chance to look at the article. It goes into detail through various sources and um, which prompted a quick response from Jamal Adams. Of course
1: it did. Basically
0: said. And look, he's not wrong. He's not. No, he's not. not wrong. I'm not, you know, I know I've kind of given Prez a hard time a bit on the show because, I don't like the way he handled the contract negotiations, but he is definitely not wrong in this scenario. I don't know if it's true or not. I mean, of course, we always have to wait for the other shoe to drop. But if it is true, this looks really, really bad on Woody.
1: It It absolutely does. And
0: I'm, here's the crazy part, though. It doesn't look bad on Christopher Johnson, because Christopher Johnson's been, you know, telling the players if they want to kneel, kneel, you know, don't, you know. Yeah. He's been very supportive of the players, especially in the, so, the social – you know, injustice and all that stuff. But this looks really bad for Woody. And the thing was, a story broke yesterday that basically said that Trump was trying to get Woody to talk to, I guess, the I think I don't know if it was Boris Johnson. I don't know who it was. But basically they were trying to push the British Open to Trump's Turnberry Resort. Ooh. Scotland. Which is that's a major ethics violation. Jack is here. You're talking oh Jack is here? All right, see. well, let's table that. Maybe we'll talk about it after, uh, towards the end. So let's put them through. All right, joining us right now on the Moffat on the Mic show from uh, Creative Pro, we have indie wrestler Jack Tomlinson joining us. Jack, what's going on, man?
2: Hey, man. Sorry, getting the <laughs> camera working. There it goes. There. We're working. All right, we're good. <laughs> How's it going, so, man? I'm good. How are you both today? i doing good. good.
0: I have to say, and I hope you don't mind, you really do look like the, the dude from Spider-Man.
2: Yeah, also having I mean, his poster here definitely helps. No, I don't mind in the slightest. I
0: saw it on your Instagram. That's why I figured it was cool to just kind of to acknowledge it. But, um, but Completely. No, uh, Completely. um so I kind of wanted to get into something I was going through uh, before we got before leading up to the show, I was going through like mm-hmm. some Twitter stuff. And um, I noticed you put some what looked like uh, people giving you some negative comments I don't know if you just, I think you just got back to the yeah. ring recently mm-hmm. after like a kind of like a long hiatus due to the pandemic. And mm-hmm. you know, people had some really like, kind of, you know, saying that, you know, instead of doing your vlog, you should have been doing push ups mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Can you just comment further on that? Like, was it just from fans? Was it from, you know, just anybody in general? And like, where, yeah. where did the basis come from? When was your first match? Was it this past weekend or?
2: So the first match was, it was filmed for uh, Creator Pros Cap CapTV, which is on YouTube. That was actually filmed about a month ago. It, I think I was away from the ring for actually longer than the pandemic started because like shows kind of slowed down. Mm-hmm. And then the end of the semester with uh, school started to go. So it had been about four or five months since I had been uh, actually wrestling. I'd gotten in the ring like two times for like training, but that was it. And it's so about a month ago. I got in the ring. It was a very short match of about five minutes. And that was actually all comments made on commentary. So I hadn't heard anything. I had saw it be uploaded to YouTube. And I was like, oh, okay, let's let's see what it looks like from that. Cause I had my own camera angle when I set up my camera yeah. for my vlog. But I watched it and I'm like, oh, well, okay. That was that was the first one I heard, I was like, okay, I guess the guy's just, you know, the commentaries. You have to have the the good guy commentary, the bad guy commentary, and you have the sports uh, analysis like guy in pro wrestling, I'm like, okay, it's just been, and then the second one came, I'm like, what's happening here? And there was, like, two or three more, and I'm like, I thought people liked me, I was so, I was so out of guard. And then by the fifth one, I was like, all right, I, like, people hear this, I'm just gonna look, and I lose the match, and I, uh, I get hit in a very, a place where the sun does not shine in the match, so I don't look particularly good in this match, so I was like, I have to do something to make it look like this went well, so I was like, I don't know what to say, I could, like, retaliate against everything, but then I just look, like, I'm, like, backed right. into a corner and just, like, chopping for, for a defense, which I thought was kind of funny because I also didn't upload a single vlog during the pandemic, which made it even funnier to me. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to copy and paste it. I'm going to put every single one of them on my Twitter. And, you know, w- what are they going to say? If I was really embarrassed or ashamed of what they were saying, I wouldn't be posting it myself. So, yeah. how's, the,
1: how's the shoulder feeling?
2: It feels a lot better now. Um, I've been going going to the doctor, like, legitimately every single week. We're trying to – avoid surgery because the recovery time for that is like almost a year so it'd be pretty terrible about nine months so right now i'm just waiting on i have to get another test next week involving my nerves there it's really thankfully it's not a full tear but it's just a little bit of a tear which is kind of kind of annoying it kind of sucks um but it feels good it feels good i've been resting it a, a lot a lot of ice a lot of heat and i'm doing these special workouts that my physical therapist gave me every single day so
0: Good. The injury um, during like a match, like your last match, I mean, you ever wrestled with Creative Pro? Obviously, I know you're wrestling mm-hmm. on YouTube with the Cap TV show, but mm-hmm. obviously the last event was in Hicksville, which was back in March. Mm-hmm. Um, was it during that time or was it more just while training or?
2: So I actually heard it during quarantine and I really wish, and I spoke about this, I think in my last vlog, I really wish I had a cool story like to go along with it. Like I was, oh, I was deep sea fishing off Alaska, and I got caught by a shark. Like it Literally, I woke up one morning, and I couldn't feel my arm. That's the, really the gist of the story, and I wish it was a lot better, but it's not. Yeah. And I just couldn't feel it. And it was really painful. And I was actually stuck in Colorado during the entire pandemic. And then not only were doctors only taking very certain patients, mm-hmm. there was also no doctor there that was like willing to see me because I was from a different state, so they just weren't for it. And I just rested it for legitimately the two and a half months. Mm -hmm. And it got a lot better. And then wrestling opened up. And I was like, you know what? I feel good. I can wrestle. And those were the couple times I got back in the ring. And I felt great. And I was like, I'm good to go. And Cap TV, uh, the opportunity to have a match against Creative Bros television champion, Eric Mm -hmm. James, came along. I was like, this is great. And about towards the last minute of the match, I went up for a diving flatliner off the second rope. And instead of landing on my back, I just landed on my shoulder. And I knew instantly. I was like, oh, there it is. It, It happened again. Right. So uh, well,
0: I, good, that you're, good that you're healthy again, man. So, yeah,
2: th- thank you. I kind of look at it like maybe I should have gotten it taken care of a little bit earlier, but at the same time, it really felt a lot better, mm-hmm. you know, especially with everything going on right now. I kind of have nothing but time, to yeah, pretty much. Finish, right? I mean, so. is,
0: like, like you said, they're not really seeing now, it's better to see mm-hmm. you for any other injury, but before it was either COVID or bust, like you weren't mm-hmm. you're were pretty much on your own, so like yeah. there's no way you could really but it's just good that you're back and healthy and
1: everything. At least Thank back you. wrestling All Thank right. You. So uh, how did you come up with the idea of the Vessler? I, I like, I really like, cause it's like something mm-hmm. you haven't seen before, even on indie circuits. Like you don't really, you haven't seen much of that. So where did, have you been like doing vlogs your whole life? And it's just like, you know what? I'm going to combine the two, my both loves of doing mm-hmm. vlogging and wrestling or what's
2: up? It was 100% just wanting to combine the two loves. I had started vlogging. I, after i started wrestling but about 6 months before i started being on shows mm-hmm. so right when i was informed i was going to get my first match at creative pro i was like i don't know what like what I'm, what my character is going to be like I, I have my a name like at the time i was going by the name Jackson Ridley and i didn't know if i was going to use that name and i was really trying to like figure out what to do and I, honestly i really i feel terrible someone at creative pro i can't remember who it was just said to me just dude, every single character that you ever see is like laced with their own personality, which is kind of scary when you think of someone like the, like the boogeyman, like to think the boogeyman is like that in real life. But they're like, everyone's got a bit of their own personality in there. And, you know, I was at that time, I was already hosting Cap TV and I was just hosting Cap TV as myself. Mm -hmm. I hadn't found my character yet. So I was just like, when they gave me a script to get in front of the camera, I was like, okay, I'm just going to say these words. So when it came down to Showtime, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to come out with my my phone. I'm going to vlog it. The Vessler eventually came along. I was legitimately – I would think I was in the shower, and I was just, like, <laughs> like letting the water run, run off my back, and I'm just wondering, what, what can I do in wrestling that's going to stick? What can I do? Yeah. And I don't know how I somehow took the word uh, wrestler and Vessler and put it together. I think I was thinking of, like, relationship, like, ship names – Mm-hmm. Or like actual celebrities like what their ship names were yeah. and then it somehow turned into that for me and I was thinking about the relationship thing like earlier in the day like someone sent me like a video of like how like 10 years ago we were looking at relationships like Zac Efron and Vanessa Hodgins and now they're like nothing <laughs> together so I don't, I don't know why it, this sounds very very weird that this is what I think about in my day-to-day life but I don't know I have the time I'm gonna I'm gonna think about that stuff I was a big high school musical fan.
0: You know, the first match I saw you, because I started only going to cap shows recently. I actually live right by the Knights of Columbus. I'm about five minutes away from the Knights of Columbus.
2: Okay, so I awesome. Started going,
0: I started going to shows, uh, the May show, when you had Sean Spears, was like the big, uh, and Scarlett Bordeaux. Mm-hmm. And your match with Smart mm-hmm. Mark Sterling, where they basically kept changing the rules, and, like, you weren't allowed to do anything. Like, you pinned them in, like, literally 30 seconds, and the place went crazy when you won. And then all of a sudden, they, like, you know, Smart Mark Sterling, you know, did his thing as the heel, mm-hmm. and then... Um, I asked this of VSK when he was on our show a few weeks ago. How do you feel, like, when you, when guys like Spears or Scarlett Bordeaux, who's now in NXT, she's been an Impact, um, mm-hmm. what's the vibe in, like, for guys like, you know, you and, like, VSK, like, indie wrestlers to wrestle against talent that has um, been part of the professional, like, wrestling? Like, do you guys feel a little starstruck? Mm-hmm. Do you feel, like, nervous? Do you always feel nervous before any match, or does it?
2: Um... I'm nervous before every match. I think I've had like one or two matches where I've literally been at the curtain and I haven't felt anything. And that was right before the pandemic break. So it was kind of good because I started, I want to be nervous. I mean, I think like there's a good feeling that you get being nervous. I definitely get starstruck, but I think I've found every single time, excuse me, I've ever been like starstruck, the second you start talking to them, you realize they're just a normal person. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone has to find a like fine line of like, Yes, they are. They have worked very hard to be where they are, so give them their respect. Don't hound them and be like, oh, my gosh, I saw you wrestle this when I was, like, five years old. But at the same time, don't be a total jerk and just be like, I have no idea who that person is. Like, never heard of him. When you, when you clearly have. So I – especially with Scarlett, because she was the special guest referee of that match I had yep. with Mark. Um, it was just very normal. I was talking to Mark, and she just walked over, and she said, hey, like, I'm, I'm involved in your match. You're like, oh, hey, it's good to meet you. And then we just started talking about the match, like, normally, like any other match. I never thought about it. The only time I've ever been, like, starstruck, I met Zack Ryder two years ago. Well, actually, I met him when I was, like, a, a little kid at, like, a fan show. Yeah. But I met him, like, two years ago at a Creator Pro, at Creative Pro when they were doing the holiday toy drive, the first one. Yeah. And this was my favorite wrestler growing up. So I was just, like, the whole time, like, I don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> he's, he's five feet from me. Like, if I say one thing out of line, he's going to remember it forever. But now I'm at a point where and he, I saw him so often at Creative Pro that he's just, like, a, a normal person.
0: I remember Scarlett Bordeaux did a killer move. I think it was on one of the even Stevens, if I remember
2: like Steve right. Somerset.
0: Yeah. Like it was a killer move that she did. And like it was it was that card. I mean, the cards at Creative Pro are a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. They're definitely like a lot of fun to watch. I mean the matches are really good. And then uh, you know, of course, just seeing not only you know, whether it's guys like Spears or guys like um the last one I think had Orange Cassidy. But um Oh yeah.
2: You know, that was, that was like they're that just was a awesome.
0: lot of fun. I mean, they're just, He's just incredible.
2: Is he a cool guy? Oh, yeah, he's a really laid-back, cool dude in real life, but his in-ring performance, yeah. dude, it's like nothing else. It's like nothing else. He's something special.
0: I just remember the line to meeting him was, like, snaking around, like, right by where you guys enter, like, to come into sure. the ring, you know, because it was just, you know, that was the sure. mission or something.
1: Now, speaking of, you know, uh, being starstruck or stuff like that, I'm 99% sure MJF's last match was against you, and you beat mm-hmm. Yes. So what what was it like, you know, pinning a guy that you know is going to be, you just signed a big AEW contract. So what was it like Mm -hmm. beating someone who's going to be on TV regularly and being a dick on TV every, every week?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, in a, in a bit of a, in a bit of a anticlimactic answer, it was really normal because he was like the first person I met at creative pro. Mm -hmm. I remember the first day I was training, um, Something happened to the trainer that day that they were late and I wasn't in the group chat yet. So he got there early and he walks up to my car and he's just like, Yo, you're the new kid, right? I'm like, Yeah. And he was like kind of he was like like Max, he was kind of a jerk about it. And he's like, Yeah, so practice is starting late. So just hang out. I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. And then like five minutes later, he came, he comes back up to me and he starts like grilling me on wrestling. He's like, All right. I want you to name how many indie promotions, you know, because I had been wrestling for a day at this point. So I guess he was just trying to warm me up, get me into it. He was genuinely very – it was very helpful what he did. But at this point, it's been three and a half years since I met him. So wrestling him, I was just like – it's like wrestling my friend. So I was excited. But I knew – I went a lot in on that match more than than usual, I think, which probably doesn't sound good. You should probably go in on every match. But, like, this one I knew – Every single thing I did had to be monitored. I was posting about it every single day. Right. I think I cut five to ten different promos on it, and I was sending it to everyone in Creative Pro Management every day to make sure, like, which one can I put? Can I put it up now? Can I put it up now? I just wanted every eye on this because I knew how big and important it was. Right. And when it ended, I was I was genuinely very very pleased. So it was very relaxed for me because I was comfortable with him, but I knew I knew the stakes. I knew what was going on. I knew people high up, like AEW, would be seeing this and would be aware of what's going on.
0: I only saw one match with MJF and Cap, and that was, um, it was I think it was the same night as the Scarlet Bordeaux appearance. And I specifically mm-hmm. remember Pat Buck chopping him in front of his dad, who I was sitting right next to. Him. And just like yelling, and Pat Buck yelling at his dad, and everybody was like, and his dad just goes, yeah, I know, yeah, it's a scar <laughs> Like, it was, just, it was just really funny the way, like, like, Pat Buck was literally yelling at his dad, like, oh, this is your fault, and he just like chopped him right in front of the, his father, and he was sitting like, one set, one seat over from where I was sitting. It just, it just killed me. It made me laugh. Um, You've wrestled on 205 Live. You've wrestled on Monday Night Raw mm-hmm. as well. Um, you were actually VSK's partner in that Viking Raiders match.
2: Yes. Right on
0: VSK, got injured. Um, mm-hmm. What was it like wrestling, like when your first time on Raw or just 205 in front of a big audience, in front of a big crowd? Was it intimidating? Like, how was the locker room? Were you, do you have any stories about the locker room or anything like that?
2: Mm -hmm. I have a few really awesome interactions. I think the biggest thing I took away from it was I didn't have time to get free to freak out or to be nervous. Like the second it started to sink in, what was happening, we were already walking down to the ring. So within a minute, it was, all right, now you have to have move, move, move. So there was no time to think. So I'm very thankful for that. Um, I think the only moment where I kind of freaked, I was actually with VSK right before we did walk out and he just like said to me, he's like, listen, I just want you to take this in, enjoy it and just do what you can do. You wouldn't be here if you couldn't be here. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I want you to know, some people take 18 years and never get here. You're 18 and you are here. So really appreciate what's about to happen and really go out there and just do your best. And the second the bell rang, it was just, it honestly, it felt good, everything felt natural. I just remember right before uh, the Viking Raiders um, decided to put their butt in my face while I was sitting on the floor in the ring, I remember looking around the ring and I see the turnbuckle and it's the WWE logo. And then I look out and I see all the fans. I'm like, whoa, I'm actually, like, here. This is so cool. This is amazing. Then next thing I know, I get a, a butt in the face. But, you know, that's that's the itchy zone, that part.
1: But No, I remember that night specifically because I, like, I knew you from – Like I also went to LIU, so I knew you were in, you know, the other fraternity. And I knew you from campus. I'm sitting there. I'm like – Oh, that's Jack. I know him. Like, that's crazy. Like, it was so yeah. like, surreal to like, no. And I immediately texted him to my group chat. I'm like, the guy wrestling the Viking Raiders right now, I know him. So I'm like, oh my God. Like, this is crazy. Like, it was a surreal moment to like, just like, wow. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. creative pro guys are on TV. And especially you because we went to school together and we were mm-hmm. in uh, different fraternities. Like, it was yeah. insane.
2: I agree. Thank you, man. Thank,
1: You're man.
2: Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate um, it.
1: So to even to go off of my last MJF question, I asked VSK this and he said yes. Is MJ MJF a dick in real life like he is on TV? <laughs> Are
0: you trying to make enemies,
1: Clone? But <laughs> <laughs> MJF maybe. I mean <laughs> I know, but it's like I don't need to hear from MJF. <laughs> hey, no there's no such thing as bad publicity. Fair enough.
2: That's true. That's true. <laughs> I think the only moment I've ever seen MJF have a soft spot. Was prior to him and Cody having at it. When they, were, when they were like brothers, it's the only moment I ever saw him with a soft spot. So, in nice terms, yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we are talking to creative pro wrestler and indie wrestler Jack Tomlinson on the Moffat on the Mike show. Um, Jack, um, Brian Myers recently, I just saw a vignette for him last night that he looks like he's headed to Impact. Mm-hmm. And um, BSK actually, I don't mean to keep bringing up BSK, but just something that came Good. up that I wanted to just kind of comment on, like I just wanted to kind of elaborate on. He had a really nice tweet about Brian today, just basically saying how he, one of the toughest and one of the strongest individuals he knows by just balancing a family, a wrestling career, as well as a school.
2: Yes, I saw it, actually.
0: So, yeah, it was a really awesome, really awesome things that he wrote today. And I just wanted to get your comments on, like, how Brian has – um, helped, Im- influenced your wrestling, so far your wrestling career, yeah. like um, any, like what's the best advice maybe he's given you so far, just as you're kind of working your way into the
2: business? Absolutely, absolutely, everything VSK said is like hands down true about Brian, I think honestly, Brian is one of the most genuine and amazing people you will ever meet in wrestling, outside of the fact he's criminally underrated at what he can do on the mic and in the ring, it's actually it's, it's very angering. Uh, it angers a lot of people at Creative Pro, how underrated should. he is. I mean, it should. But at the same time, it's also everybody in wrestling knows how good he is because no one in the history of wrestling has ever been able to turn losing so much into what he did. And it wasn't like every other superstar where they eventually were building up to their big win, which he did get at WrestleMania, but he didn't know that win was coming. He didn't know it was going to happen. He could have just been told you're going to continue losing 500 times and no one's ever going to care. And he made something out of it. I think the biggest thing he teaches is, going back to the Star Strip thing, he was like the first person to make you realize they're normal people. And he, yeah. he genuinely cares about everyone at Creator Pro. He mm-hmm. really wants everyone to do well, not just because it's his school, but because he, he cares about us. You don't, you don't stick around at Creator Pro unless you really have a place there. And Brian, make sure you have your place if you are willing to work for it. He teaches incredible work ethic outside of yes, in-ring skills, on-the-mic skills, which he's great at teaching, real work ethic and knowing what it means to work hard and to really be a good, a good overall worker in the ring, beyond the ring. I mean, I can't remember any specific words that came out when he said, and I guarantee the second this ends, I'm going to think of like 10 different quotes he said to me, but I just, every time he's never shown up and he's never half-assed anything. It's been 200%, go, 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 nonstop. Whether he's coaching or he's having an actual match on Raw now with Impact,
1: yeah, and it, that even shows to the like kind of impact he's made to some of the wrestlers. As we know, MJF and Chris Statlander both creative Pro graduates are now in AEW. Max Caster recently had a match on AEW. Mm-hmm. It's go. It just shows that you know what you just said is 100 percent true because these guys, these wrestlers, are getting opportunities in, in the big leagues like AEW, Impact, and the
2: WWE. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I'm not going to sit here and say, I got a, I got a contract from WWE. It's not like that at all, but I wouldn't have gotten my shot on Raw or two or five live if it wasn't for Ryan. Exactly. It was because of him. Uh, it was because of him. I got to go there as extra work. And it's because of him, I got to have the match as it was.
0: It's funny because like at one of the cap shows, when I went to pick up my ticket, he was sitting right there. And even I got starstruck just from the fact of him like sitting right there.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I get that.
0: And I thought it was just, like, awesome that he's just sitting there and he's just kind of keeping – he's, like, walking around. I think he's checking on people. Like, he seems like an all-around, just a very genuine guy. Yeah. And, um, right. you, know, you know, the success is great for him. You know, obviously, it's really great that he's having the success right now with Cap, especially with MJF and Statlander now in AEW. And, you know, you've definitely been wrestling on the indie circuit. So, was guys like, mm-hmm. you know, Air Country
2: and BSK and those guys as well. Mm-hmm. Creator's got some pretty incredible names great. coming out of it.
1: Now – Considering, you know, you do your vlogs and on TikTok and Instagram, YouTube, everything like that, the last guy we know who did that was your, was your idol, Zack Ryder, and he is the current internet champion. Are mm-hmm. you ready to challenge Zack Ryder for the internet <laughs> championship?
2: I've been ready for that since I was like 10. <laughs> no, but genuinely, if that match comes around, I genuinely believe the match would be amazing. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt I'd be able to hang in there and I'd really be able to push him. And I think he'd be able to – he definitely would be able to push me. And I really want that match more than anything in the world. Mm -hmm. But I also have an idea. There's now two internet championships because there's – he has two titles. He has the new one. He has the old one. I mean, what's he going to do? Let the old one just sit in his tour – in one of his – 7,000 toy rooms at his house now. He's, <laughs> he's got he's to do something with it. I mean, maybe he'll hang it on the wall. It'll look really pretty. And it is it's actually really cool. When I was a little cool kid, thing. I thought it was awesome. But I mean, you know, I wouldn't want to take his title. So if I do beat him, I'll take the old title. <laughs> um,
0: Jack, besides obviously the in-ring work, what is for you the most difficult part about being a professional wrestler, especially on the indie circuit right now? I know, obviously, there haven't really been many shows because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. but just like, are you one that has to reach out to, like, if there's indie shows, you hear about indie shows, do you reach out or do they reach out to you? Do, is it... have,
2: everyone's got to reach out. Um, okay. I think that's a big thing, especially in the beginning, patience. You got to know you could reach out to every single promotion. And odds are 99% of them will not get back to you, no matter how good you are, no matter where you train, most of the time they won't get back to you because a lot of promotions are favored to their locals, favored to the people they know. A lot of the time, uh, shows I've been on actually come from fellow Creator pro guys who have been working there, and they'll be like, hey, I have an extra seat in my car. You want to come? We'll go there. So honestly, I think patience is the biggest thing a lot of people don't have, and I'm, I'm guilty of it myself. Right. You know, a lot of people expect you're going to, because it's, it's scripted, a lot of people expect, oh, you're just going to walk in and you're just going to start wrestling John Cena on day one. It, it, it doesn't work like that. It, it takes That's a, a lot
0: of time. It's like about paying your dues and there are a lot of people who have insane Mm -hmm. high expectations from the minute they graduate from a wrestling academy or a school or whatever. It's like they think they're going right to Monday Night Raw. It's like with broadcasters, they immediately think they're going to WFAN like right off Mm -hmm. the bat to do drive time and they're just sad. I mean, it takes
2: a long time. Mm -hmm. Paying Uh, your dues, like you said, big thing. Yeah.
1: So what's your? I we touched on it a little bit, but what's your? What's been your favorite? You know, wrestling moment? Has it been like debuting on Monday Night Raw? Meeting Zach Ryder at the uh, create a mm-hmm. Pro Toy Drive? What, what? What's been your favorite moment?
2: In my career specifically? Yes. Um, well, I think it has to be wrestling on Monday Night Raw. I think I'd be out of my mind to not <laughs> select that. But I don't know. I've had I've had some really cool moments. Um, Raw and two hundred five live, obviously. Wrestling MJF was obviously an incredible moment. Like you said, working the podcast for the major wrestling figures. But I think two matches that I've really, really genuinely like down to earth loved. My first match I ever I ever had on Creator Pro Show, which was against Max Castor. It was in the main event. It was Creative Pro Wrestling Sunday, Funday. And how it worked is I started training at Creator Pro and you're allowed to train in New York at sixteen. You can't legally run on shows until you're eighteen, which is a I still don't know how to wrap my head around that rule, but I don't know. I honestly think it was good. I liked for myself that I was forced to wait two years where all I could do was focus on training. I didn't have to worry about critics or haters or any of that. It just was me and the ring. And after two years, I was told I was not only having a match against Castor, who is like the biggest name at Creative Pro. And he's, he's one of the uh, assistant head trainers there. And it was in the main event. So there was a lot of trust. And I remember having a conversation with Pat Buck, thanking him for giving me this opportunity. And he had just straight up said to me, no, man, you you deserve this. You work hard for this. You earned it. And just everyone at Creative Pro showed up. I remember when the match was over, I walked back through the curtain and everyone's cheering. And leading up to it, everybody and anybody was helping with the promos. I had like 30 friends and family, like 30 different people from friends and family that were at the event. There was just such a good feeling. I just really felt like it wasn't just me. It wasn't two years leading up to me versus all of this. It was two years me and everyone behind me, my jackpack, against everyone else, which was incredible and I loved. And really, um, another match, which maybe I should put this one first because I really like the way I worded the way that match went, (laughs) um, was I had a match against uh, John Silver. And I really just loved the match. It was nothing crazy. It was a one-and-done throwaway match. It was only 12 minutes. But I really felt good. The match was put together beautifully. And when it was done, I went to the back and I was like, I love the way that turned out. I love the moves. I love how it looked. Everyone was into it from start to finish. If I was going to be told 12 minutes, you have no storyline, nothing real in it, but you just have to get, get over and have a good match, I, I did it in that match. And I'm very proud of that.
0: As part of Cap, when you um, develop your, your on-screen personality or your gimmick, <laughs> Do you present it to a guy like Brian or Pat, and then they tell you they shoot it down automatically if they don't like it, or do they they work with you on how like what you're like looking mm-hmm. to do? Like you were kind of the vlogger, the whole jackpack thing. Mm-hmm. Was that so, basically your creation, and then you presented it to them, and then they kind of went with it, or did they kind of just like they kind of just tweak it to make it you know to what they think it could be?
2: Mm-hmm. So everyone's everyone's a little different um, for. In generally, and then I can say for me specifically, in general, we have promo class very mm-hmm. often. So everyone has a chance to get up. Everyone's going to go up and do their own singles promo. Sometimes we'll get up with a partner and do a, a doubles promo. And you have your chance to show off your character. And it's very—it's usually very loose. It's like, you get 60 seconds. Say whatever the heck you want. Just make me understand who you are and why you're here and why I should care that you're here. That's, right. all, that's all you're ever given. After that, you're given tips that lead up to it before you get your match and you get into the ring and you get on cap TV, usually you'll meet with guys like Max Castor or smart Mark Sterling and they'll help. And like, I believe they relay the messages through like Brian. A lot of people don't go directly to Brian. I guess maybe some people are intimidating. I love going right through Brian because he's just, he's so approachable and he's so straightforward and real with his answers. And I love it. Um, But that being said, I love dealing with everyone at creative Pro. For me, it actually came through Smart Mark. Smart Mark Sterling contacted me on the first day we were both ever, ever, ever filming Cap TV. And I was the original host. And he just texted me one day and he's like, hey, man, are you coming to training tonight? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, can you just bring something you would vlog in? And I'm like, I mean, sure, I guess. So I just brought a tie dye and like a Star Wars hat. I didn't know what that meant. Like I vlog in my regular day clothes. I didn't know what he wanted. And he just started saying, hey, just, just talk like you do and you're going to host this show. I'm like oh, okay, cool. I had no idea what it was gonna become. So that was really. I got the approval for the vlogger because of Smart Mark. He was like, "I'm, I'm letting you go with this. I like this."
1: All right. So, not a wrestling question, but what's it like to be TikTok famous?
2: <laughs> um, it's it's weird because like people are genuinely like not mainstream, but social media famous. Like they're attributing that like that's the same thing and i'm just like i'm just a dude making videos on an app you know i'm just (laughs) having i'm in my bedroom doing this it takes like five minutes i'm just having fun um when it first took off like this past not this summer the summer before when it took off and i was getting videos with millions of views i was like really starstruck i was confused i had random people following me and dming me every day i had kids that i went to school uh, we went to school with i've never seen before on like on moving day I had kids come up to me and be like oh my gosh you are you the kid on my for you page I'm like who, who, who are you <laughs> but like I'm not at a level where I think you should know who I am like who are you now it's kind of at a point where I, I people are kind of like that I know are kind of like ah yeah Jack's TikTok famous that's whatever it's it's nothing <laughs> it's nothing but I just I really love it for one reason and one reason only because my dream has always been to create content on a large platform. Not so I can say I'm famous, not so I can make a lot of money or be better than like anyone, although all three of those things sound awesome. Um, it would be because I just want to make people smile and I wanna make people happy. And when I look at my phone and I see whether it's a thousand views or I see a hundred thousand views or I see 10 followers or I see 125,000 followers, I know for a fact there's at least one person out there who is life is being changed for the better hopefully for the better because of my videos and if they're liking it it's making them smile and that's that's all i want so
0: no, oh, that's a pretty great that's a pretty cool way to think about yeah it, to be honest i mean for mm-hmm. like you said i mean if you can make one person's day better it's well it's worth penny. it's worth everything
2: that's all i want because i have a you asked for a list i could give a very long list of people who i do not know who i am i've never met and the first person now i've met them was zach rider where all i had was watching them on video and they just made me laugh. They made me smile. I was like, they made me believe I could do that. I could live my dream. And if I can do that for one person, I've lived my dream.
0: Um, I wanted to just get your opinions on, I guess, WWE these days. The other <laughs> night, it was uh, on Tuesday. They said that they had the lowest ratings that they've had for Monday Night did Raw. did not know that. For And the, well, nobody really wants to see Randy Orton punting the big show, I guess, because it had the lowest ratings per quarter hour in, like, raw history, which is, like, really bad.
2: Really, uh, I would not expect that.
0: Now, under uh, now, obviously, with the pandemic, I mean, I think WWE is doing the best what with, with what they have. Mm-hmm. But my question to you is: Do you think the problem these days has more to do with the story that they're telling, or the fact that they're just holding off on like major feuds until fans can come back to the arena where they get the bigger pops? Um, I
2: I would if I can't say for sure. Because I don't, I don't know wh- what goes on back there, and I don't want to try and make anyone believe that I could run anywhere near that. But I really will admit, I remember watching Raw and AEW. This the second fans were gone, and I, I, I hate it. I ha- absolutely hate it's it. Oh, it's a tough watch, especially for two hours, three hours. It's terrible because you you see these awesome moments and. There, There's nothing. There's no reaction. I mean, I remember, I think, and I want to make sure I have this timer. right, when Becky Lynch announced she was going to be a mother, yeah. and when Matt Hardy debuted in AEW, these were moments you expected people to lose it, and then it's just like, unless someone's talking on the mic, it's just dead crickets, and I just think it, I don't think, I mean, I'm going to take a guess. I don't think they're losing ratings because people don't care about Randy Orton anymore. I think it's because people just don't want the silence. It's just really really dead and it's i like that they added people at ringside even though they are performance center i like it i like the sound i like hearing it because you're not you don't if you were wrestling just to do moves you'd be doing it in your parents bedroom still we don't you do it in front of people the the thrill is getting a pop from the crowd getting booed getting cheered that's what you that's what you do it for that's why the term we want to get over comes from you're not getting over with the ring you're getting over with the fans See with
0: AEW's audience, it actually seems like more genuine. Like when you hear it, it almost sounds like you're actually at a show. Where, whereas with that, with WWE and not in a bad way, it's not their fault, but it just it almost seems like it's a little forced with like the NXT wrestlers and stuff like that. It just seems like a little forced, like with the reactions and stuff. But I mm-hmm. I just remember I was listening to like a Drew McIntyre promo when they had nobody. Like not even the NXT wrestlers, but the audience. And like, really? you had a really good line and it just hadn't it was just it was tough to watch because it, it's almost that's like talking about. you can't tell if it's like a good line or if it's just
2: – Yeah.
0: people just hate it, and, then, and that's why you're not getting a reaction. It just had this really weird – it just was really – kind of felt bad for Drew in a way because his WrestleMania moment was in front of nobody.
2: Yeah, I, I did actually – I remember thinking that when that happened. But... I felt
0: so bad for him, and he put on a good match, and he was well-deserving of being the champion. He still is. It's just that without the fans, like you really see a night and day difference with the impact mm-hmm. of promos or matches in general.
2: Yeah, I agree. But I think it also it has its its advantages. Uh, For one, I think ticket sales are going to skyrocket for everyone when it opens up. But I just think it teaches everyone a new way of wrestling to think, Mm -hmm. to try and go in to really know and to really learn in a new atmosphere, because sometimes you you will wrestle in front of a crowd and the crowd might not be there for you. So I think it's a good way to try and learn this new type of of environment and you know it's not ideal i'm not all for it but what we have i mean we're lucky wrestling didn't get shut down as well so that's good point i'm very thankful and i just remember i I can't remember what match it was i was watching an episode of dark and i remember billy gunn was standing in the audience cheering on so i mean i never thought in my wildest dreams i see billy gunn cheering on these two years ago no-name wrestlers (laughs) so i just thought it was pretty cool so there are some cool moments coming out of it
1: now you're a big wrestling fan. You're a big Zack Ryder fan, and considering you know we just saw Kurt Hawkins, the Good Brothers, EC3 all go to Impact. Do you think a uh, Zack Ryder is going to go to AEW?
2: I have no idea. Oh, <laughs> I wish I wish I did. I have no idea.
1: Was trying to get some breaking maybe some, like, get some breaking news yeah because like that we that nobody else can find out got nothing. I was gonna say the only reason I ask is because you know like I just said we saw all these guys debut at Slammiversary over the weekend mm-hmm. and Zach and you know, I know he's very good friends with Cody and mm-hmm. he hasn't announced anywhere that he's going yet so I figured I was like you know what maybe he's going AEW <laughs> hasn't really made a say if he's going back to WWE yet so mm-hmm. I. I was just hoping – I'm honestly, I'm hoping he goes to AEW because you mentioned earlier, you know, Kurt Hawkins, very highly underrated. I think Zack Ryder, number one, most underrated guy in yeah. WWE. It was just – it was painful mm. to watch, like, Zack go out and cut amazing promos, do great work in the ring, and then get nothing, lose the Intercontinental Championship. Mm. after thing is, he used to get a major pop when he used to come out all the time on Raw. Like on
0: Raw. I mean, everybody loves Zack Ryder. It just – it was – borderline criminal what they did with him because they just never really utilized him for what he was and he just became you know it's unfortunate but you know maybe just being whether it go whether he winds up in impact AEW, whatever maybe it'll be better to utilize his his talents because he, mm-hmm. he is a talented wrestler he's a very talented
2: very. Just, he's an incredibly talented just man in general i think he's honestly prepared for this for uh, being fired more than anyone because even when he was with wwe it wasn't WWE's writing, it wasn't the producers, it wasn't anyone that got him over, it was him yeah. and z True Long Island story. So, he was genuine, he was prepared, he was ready for this, I mean, I mean, the minute I honestly, you hear,
0: I mean, I used to hear his Steam song on, wherever you were, on Monday Night Raw, like, everybody would be like, woo-woo. They lost it. They, they lost, lost it. it. I mean, like, that alone should be enough to get him, like, a push that he rightfully deserves because he mm-hmm. just, he's over with the band. It's really one of the key parts, obviously, of of just being mm-hmm. successful in wrestling in general
2: yeah i i get that I, I always like to look at it like this at the end of the day he has he has the skills obviously he's one of the only guys to ever get himself over 100 percent. and whether he held the title for a day or a year he's still going to go down as an intercontinental united states and tag team champion in WWE, which but, is pretty incredible and now i think he's going to do bigger things on the independence i mean he's just blowing up cuz he's putting out content every single day cuz it's just on him. There's no one telling him what he yeah. what to do that's and he's though.
0: I mean they, he'll it. it's creative freedom. I mean that's yeah. that's what a lot of the I think a lot of the guys that were hamstrung in WWE for a long time now kind of get the ability to do what they what they've wanted to do for so long and you see a new a new part of their character, a new part of their, you know, just their overall personality that fans are going to flock to and wherever he goes on the indie circuit he's going to generate a lot of ticket sales.
2: So. Oh,
0: for sure. So speaking of the indie wrestling circuit, you know, it's shows are starting to come back very little by little. There was mm-hmm. a couple of shows last month. I think one was in Iowa that was in an indoor place and it took a lot of crap for not social distancing and all that stuff. There was another one recently really that that. Was outdoors. There was another one that was outdoors that was more like spaced out. Teeth were spaced out and everything. Mm-hmm. There was actually one this weekend in Atlantic city um I, it's called beyond wrestling I, I don't remember who's on it mm-hmm.
2: but, um, oh yeah for sure I know all about beyond
0: so my question is is um has there been any discussions about any future cap shows right now whether indoors or outdoors and how would you feel wrestling during the middle of a pandemic just mm-hmm. I mean like while I mean listen you you want to take every booking you get but at the same time understanding the What's going on in the world? I mean, do you get a little skittish? Would you, would you feel a little skittish? I guess.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I know, I think Creative Pro is really just focusing on Cap TV's Quarantine Cup right now, which is, it's huge. It's huge what's going on. They have, I think, like 18 of some of the best, or 16 of the best named Creative Pro all going match after match after match to wrestle Eric James, which is huge, which takes a lot of time as it is. So Creative Pro is not lacking in wrestling or content in the slightest just because we don't have the fans coming in. I honestly, I'm for, I'm for waiting. This this pandemic, this oh, okay. it, it won't it won't last. It yeah. will eventually end. And I think we've, I don't. know. come
0: back. Be, you know, cap is gonna come back bigger than ever because everybody's gonna be really screaming for that live event, like to get out to mm-hmm. live events again.
2: Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, and I think it's I think it's better not to, to rush into it because we're not talking like, oh, let's take a chance. And if it works, good. If it doesn't, all right, we'll go back to the drawing board. I think this is a very, very serious thing that's been going on with the pandemic. So, honestly, if we have to wait a little bit longer, no matter how much you love wrestling, I think we should all acknowledge the extra months you're going to wait without wrestling is going to pay off in the long run when sure. you have wrestling for the rest of your life. So, if it waits a little bit longer, I'm okay with it. To so the shows that are running, if they're following all rules, they're following regulations, they're being safe, power to them. Um, as of now, I'm kind of lucky. I, my shoulder's still messed up, so I can't wrestle as it is. So, <laughs> I, I don't know. If the right regulations are taken into account, I would have no problem. I mean, wrestlers also don't really touch the fans. So yeah. we're only worried about the guy that we're wrestling with, who on Cap TV, it's no different than Cap TV to me. You walk out to the ring, you wrestle, you leave. Yeah. I'm, not hugging, I'm not hugging fans.
1: Yeah. All right. This is
2: my last question. Uh,
1: are we part of the jackpack now?
2: <laughs> well, only you can answer that. Everyone's welcome in my eyes. That's but good. if you genuinely believe it, I, be I believe in, it i believe you it. be in the then I'm,
1: gonna, in the I'm gonna go out you know what i'm buying your new your new shirt which is by the way i yeah, love Yeah, that shirt is actually killer man be, thank
2: you thank you
0: yeah that shirt is really i saw it before right before we were coming on and i i was like oh this is this shirt looks actually really cool really, thank you like, both. i like, I like it. gray with the jackpack on it looks really yeah. good
2: i was really really proud of that so thank you both i'm super <laughs> excited i was right before i came on i was blowing up instagram facebook twitter everywhere i could because i want everyone to see it because i'm I'm really proud of it. I this one feels different. It's not just like, hey, it's my shirt, buy it. It's like, no, this is a cool <laughs> yeah. is a cool shirt. You should want to have this. Did you what? design it? I did. I did. Yeah. I uh I sent to a to a friend who actually he made it into the online PDF, but I drew it up. If you actually look on my Instagram at Jack Thompson two thousand, by the way, which is a simple plug. <laughs> uh, follow, uh, you'll see I followed it
0: earlier. I, I'm already lit. following it. I followed it earlier today.
2: Thank you, my man. You can actually see uh, I posted the shirt and I posted the just the logo itself. But I did the drawing that I actually drew myself like three months ago. It's yeah. like I think the ninth post in or something. Mm-hmm. So if you go, you can check that out. I can actually show it to you now if you want to see it. Like, yeah, absolutely, man. Like
1: I always, whenever I want to buy a, like a wrestling shirt, I always base it off of, hey, can I wear this in public? And like – because there's, I'm like, you know, there are some WWE shirts out there. I'm like, I can't wear this in, pub- in public. Yeah. Like, I don't know, but, like, I saw yours, and I'm, like, I definitely want to buy this. I definitely, because I can definitely buy that. Like, I got the VSK shirt. I'm, like, I could wear this. Uh, like, right. like, yeah,
2: <laughs> I was going to comment on that earlier. I, thought, <laughs> I love that shirt. I think it's great.
0: Sometimes on, like, WWE shirts, it's, like, they look good on the front and on the back. It just, like, they put so much crap on the back, of it just looks like somebody threw up on it.
2: Yeah, just, you know,
0: I like. Like, and I can't. I can't do that. But, like, something, like, simple. Like, yours is a good design. Like, I really like that. Mm-hmm. on the front of the shirt thank you thank you occurs. i would definitely wear that definitely thank
2: you thank there. you I, expe- I expect to see both your names on the on the paid list just <laughs> no i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> I'd, ho- I'd hope so you know prowrestlingtees.com slash jt vlogs just saying <laughs> um but i can show you guys the actual thing right now so that's what the drawing looked like when i was just sketching in my yeah. book
1: that still looks cool though like in the fact that it was able to come like into the pe- mm-hmm. online and everything that it looks amazing from where it started from that to that.
2: That's, yeah,
0: that's, a, that's, a, bad, that's a badass design.
2: That is. It's looking, it looks good. I like it.
0: No, it's definitely a badass design, man.
2: Thank you, Will. Thank you. All
0: right. My last question is, and I asked this when we had VSK on, at the Knights of Columbus, is that little area where the t-shirts are, where the wrestlers go and meet the fans, mm-hmm. is That the tightest area you've ever been in in your life with fans?
2: with with fans oh i want to try and think about this for you. The, the last
0: time the last show i went to i didn't think i was getting out yeah of it. it was just it was because they were going in two different directions
2: yeah i think so and the I, I would
0: i remember just in that one i was trying to get through and i couldn't and then somebody stepped on my foot and when a person turned around it was mjf wow it was mjf and did I'm he like, yell at you
2: did no, he yell at you for I mean, getting his I, way
0: i just kind of looked the other way like i just kind of you know but oh, that's funny. That could easily be the tightest area I've ever been in, just to walk through for, like, just to see, like – I mean, I couldn't oh, get anywhere near the tables because they were, like, all well, the fans are there and stuff, but it was just, like, trying to get through – just to get through the other side was almost it, – oh, It's
2: wow. horrible. It gets so crowded. I actually usually stand right next day, which is kind kind of funny. I feel like this is VSK's podcast now. Um, <laughs> hey, hey, guys, I'm, I'm VSK. You should all go. I don't, I don't know any of VSK, So actually, VSK – i think that's his social media handle or something like that but i, I agree especially at the end of the show it gets so crowded because the ring starts being taken apart so because the the guys who train at creative pro that aren't yet on on the show the second the, the show ends they like and i remember doing this too we rush the ring and they start ripping up the guardrails they start taking everything down because they're like they're just they're doing their part and I, i'm so appreciative for it and the guys that were on the show were trying to get our autographs right before we get out there and help load up the truck, fans are trying to leave, but they want to stick around as long as they can. And the only safe place where you don't get hit by the ring is just crowd into that little room. Yeah, is, and then we're just on top crazy. of each other. <laughs> it's very uncomfortable. I remember the last show, I took up so much space because I had like six of my friends from school come. And they and they just like make this big uh, semicircle. So I went just crowding around them. And I was just, I felt terrible, but I was like, yeah.
0: It was like just incredibly claustrophobic. And the whole time I'm walking, I finally get to the end and I see Kip Stevens basically saying evil kip Kip saying if you're not going to buy anything don't talk to me and he literally was saying that (laughs) five times over and i just i just kept walking like people were looking at him weird i just didn't even think i just kept walking but it's just like that's all he said is like if you're not going to buy anything don't
2: talk he's a strange individual he was the man making we're going all the way back to the beginning of the podcast we're starting over he was the man making the comments on commentary
0: Oh, that was him.
2: That was all him. If you watch, it's his voice, and if you I see, got a a lot key... this,
0: I haven't been able to watch the Cat TV shows for a while. But...
2: Okay, just just watch my match. Yeah, no, you... I can <laughs> tell you them all.
0: I got part, we're part the... with the backpack now. We got to show, we got to show the support. Mm-hmm. That means you, Clint. I Love that. I hey, I'm gonna that. buy the t-shirt. <laughs> thank, I know. thank
2: you, man. <laughs> but yeah, that was all. That was all. Evil Kip. Every single, single one of them. It was such, It was very hurtful. I thought Evil Kip and I were on good terms. I mean, him and I did also have a match once, and he did also hit me in a place where the sun doesn't shine. I seem to have that happen very often in matches, so. Well,
0: actually, but before you go, just when there's, like, a move, mm-hmm. like, when you guys are having a match, and maybe somebody accidentally botches a move, or just maybe a move mm-hmm. doesn't go off as well as, and you might run the risk of an injury just because of it. After the match is over, is it, like, really kind of in the, in the lock, back or do you just kind of, like, acknowledge it or do you not even even bother and just kind of go okay good match but just next time Mm
2: -hmm. yeah i've i've personally never never uh butted heads i'm very very laid back i understand things happen you know Mm -hmm. and People all around, people all around, especially in wrestling, especially at creative, are good people. They're not trying to hurt you. You know, things are gonna happen. Sometimes things are gonna go wrong. You just gotta shake it off. I think there's an etiquette thing. Even if it was unintentional, you didn't mean to do it. You need to say sorry. You need to apologize, and you need to make sure they're okay. And if you're you're not okay, just be like, yeah, man, it's it's okay. But this is an etiquette thing. On the other end, yeah, man, I'm I'll be okay. I gotta see the doctor, but don't worry about it. I know you didn't do it on purpose. You're good. I have seen only once in wrestling ever where a move was intentionally botched on purpose to, I don't know if it was done to hurt someone, but it was definitely done to embarrass the person they were wrestling. And it was just a, it was a debacle. It looked, it wasn't even like fans were like, well, that's so, that's like, that's cool. Cause it looked rough and rugged. It just was very obvious. Something went wrong. Mm-hmm. And it was weird. And all I remember, I was sitting in the way back corner of this locker room when this was happening. I was just untying my, my boots. And I just hear a guy screaming at him. And like, I'm not going to say you should have screamed at him, but rightfully so. I mean, it's, you're not, you can't go into business for yourself in wrestling. I understand sometimes people want to like say little promos to make themselves look cool or to make their character look better. But when you have a match set, when you agree on things to do, you need to do it. You need to execute properly. Cause It's not just the match will look better for you. You can hurt someone. You can genuinely injure someone. And you could potentially, thankfully this doesn't happen too often, you could potentially end someone's life if you really do something wrong. So you got to be safe. Um, But I thankfully have not had that happen to me. So I'm very very grateful. I try and be very understanding and be very cool with everyone because not only do they have to trust me, I'm trusting my body and my well-being with this person. So I want them to know I trust them. Jack, before we let you go,
0: man, just uh, why don't you give our listeners um, your Twitter handle, your Instagram, all your info so people want to follow you and check out the new uh, Jack Tomlinson Jack Pack shirt.
2: Absolutely. Thank you very much. So for everyone who listened, thank you all for tuning in. If you want to find me on Instagram, at Jack Tomlinson 2000, Twitter, at Jack Tomlinson O, and you can find me on YouTube, Jack Tomlinson Vlogs, and you can find me on TikTok, at Jack Tomlinson 2000. And don't forget the Jack Pack JT Vlogs merchandise available wrestlingtees.com slash blogs.
0: he's everywhere folks he is the head of the Jackpack. we are the two newest members of the jack pack we've been talking to jack to have. from creative pro and uh, jack listen thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to uh talk to us about wrestling and Clem and i absolutely. will be at the cra- the uh, cap shows as soon as they uh, get going again especially the ones in limbrook because they kick ass they're they're great
2: i agree so, absolutely thank you both for having me all right, Hope man, take back care soon. of
0: yourself. stay safe, hopefully the shoulder gets better, and uh, before you know it, we'll see you in the ring really soon.
2: Absolutely, take care. It was good to meet you, Craig, and great seeing you, Chris, man. You All too, right. Take care, Jack. Take care.
0: All right, that was Jack Tomlinson, creative pro wrestler and indie wrestler. Clem, how fired up are you now for wrestling? I look, I'm like, I'm always Every fired. Every time we have a guest, we get more and more excited. And now I got to buy that shirt. I got to buy, I, BK I, I
2: also have
1: to buy that shirt. Yes. But especially after the dog shit we watched on Sunday with Extreme Rules and talking to, after talking to Jack, I'm so excited for more wrestling now.
0: <laughs> you know, what's funny, man. I'm telling you, and like, we ripped WWE to shreds, you know, especially when we had Andrew on last week. Yeah. Andrew, I mean, Andrew left no stone unturned. Oh, yeah. And if you didn't see his Twitter videos, like, with him, Joe, and Eric watching Extreme roles, like, during the, I think it was the I match, wow. it's really funny. But, you know, you pull for guys like Jack. You pull for guys like VSK with the cap crew and everything because, quite frankly, I mean, they're, they put on good matches. Yeah. But you see, like, here's the thing that bothered me, right? So we talk about impact and Impact brought in like gals and Anderson they brought in EC3 they brought in Heath Slater they brought in all these guys right and like it, it's it's cool I'm not saying it's not but I would love to see a guy like VSK get a shot in Impact I'd love to see a guy like Jack Tomlinson get a shot in Impact I mean they they're, they're great wrestlers and yeah. they put on quality matches and you know sometimes it's like you always want to see the younger guy the you know the underdog in a way
1: get the get the moment you know yeah. what I mean and I think that's why we we like people like MJF, even though MJF's a dick, I think he's the best heel in professional wrestling right now. We like to see guys like MJF and Chris Statlander, even Orange, like Cassidy as well, you know, succeed in AEW or, or even WWE. We like to see them because you want to see, like, the young guys don't succeed like that. Names we haven't heard of before. Yeah, names we haven't heard of before, you know, succeed in a, whether it's AEW, Impact, or the WWE.
0: But it was like, listen, it was like for raw. You knew that Randy Orton was going to punt the big show. Yeah. But why am I going to waste my time watching it when I already know what's going to happen? Right. Nothing is going to change. Now, you know what would have been a better thing? Mm-hmm. If Drew McIntyre had come out at the end. Right. To kind of set up, because there's a lot of talk about it being Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre at SummerSlam. Yeah. Ooh, I can't wait for that. That would have been a nice little setup for that match. Like, right as he's about to punt them, you hit Drew's music.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know? So it's like little things like that. I mean, listen, I just wrote for Raw just now, just by <laughs> But it's just like when you set up, oh, it's an unsanctioned match between Big Show and Randy Orton. No one cares, dude. Yeah. No
1: one
0: cares. No one cares. Like, and,
1: and we even talked to Jack about that. Like, is it like more, more or less of like WWE or is it like the fans or whatever? And, but when they put out garbage writing like that, like, unfor- like no one wants to see the Big Show anymore. Like, I, I always respected the Big Show. I like what he did. He's always been, like, just a big guy in the company until Braun Strowman came along. And, you know, no one in their right mind wants to watch Randy Orton punt the Big Show. I would rather much see Randy Orton punt anyone else on the roster except for the Big Show. Like, it's just, it's, it's not appetizing for me to watch.
0: I agree. And the thing is, is that, for example, the Bailey like, the Sasha and Asuka match on Extreme Rules. <sighs> It was like, Bailey puts on a referee shirt and counts three. Like, on what planet does that make any sense?
1: It doesn't, and that's what sucked. Like, it was a good match up until that point, and it, it went from – I'll say, like, it was like a B match. It went from B to F immediately because they just, they're just they just saving this Bailey-Sasha feud, and it's it's ter- it's terrible. Like, I just don't – like, I get they want to save this feud or they're just prolonging it until they can't do it anymore. But doing that made absolutely zero sense. Like, it's just... And here's the problem, This I kind of pin fans on this one.
0: Because when you criticize the product, people get mad at you, and they're like, oh, you know it's fake, right? And it's like, yeah, dude, I know it's fake, and I can comment on the story. The thing is, you're trying to tell a story. The story doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Why would you deliberately give Sasha Banks the title by having her partner be a referee? It doesn't make any sense. Right now, there's a, there's ways you could have went around. You could have said, "Oh, Asuka, you didn't see this clause in the contract that states that I can be the referee of the match," you know, kind yeah. of thing, stupid or shit. whatever. But then here's my thing: if Stephanie McMahon is going to strip Sasha of the title, then why isn't it back on Asuka? Because if Sasha didn't win the title, then it should go right back to Asuka. Like, is it disqualification?
1: Yeah, it it's, not, mean- it's not a vacant <laughs> title now. It's it should be Asuka's title, not a vacant title. Like this, this, it's like the the shit like this makes me like. I'm like, come on, you're a 1,000% losing to AEW in the ratings. Like,
0: Yeah, and that, and again, that, that's what's just annoying about the whole process. And it's like, when you have um, MVP, oh, Apollo Crews can't wrestle, so I'm the new United States champion. Yeah, like... And he just walks out, and I'm like, oh, that's terrible. Like, again, it's just like, and now we found out the real reason why, apparently, Apollo Crews has COVID, mm-hmm. which is why he's not wrestling. But still, it's like, there could have been a better way. There could have been another match... And honestly, honest to God, that match should have been on the kickoff. That shouldn't even have been on the pay-per-view. You should have switched the Owens-Murphy match over with,
1: you know. I have such a problem with the way they've been booking Kevin Owens. Like, it it makes absolutely no sense. Beat Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. Destroy Seth Rollins, actually. And he has since then just been downhill for, for Kevin Owens. It makes absolutely no sense. Kevin yeah, Owens is probably – You know what they're going to do
0: now, right? They're going to make him a heel, and that's how he's going to get his run again. Right? They could can, they can just make him a face, like a Stone Cold Steve Austin type of face. Yeah. Just says what he has, says off the cuff, and then just go have him go for the title. Yeah. Like, they I- really they, the problem I have with WWE, man, is they overthink this. They overthink it too much. I finally watched Great American Bash. Okay. All the way through. And it wasn't great, no pun intended, (laughs) right? But it wasn't terrible either, but you can tell the difference between, like, how it should be a takeover. Because takeover gets such a huge, like, draw. Like, you really can't unfortunately, the problem with professional wrestling today is that the fans really do set the tone for the shows. When you don't have fans, you could still put on the show, but the impact is less. Right. So that's a little troublesome for me. And right now, we don't know when it's going to happen. McMahon is saying something that it, they hope to have fans back in in September, but that could easily be something that they may not happen because we don't know how long the pandemic is going to go on. Right. You know, especially as we get into the colder months again, and we're right back to where we started, where people are getting sick, and people don't know, you know, and we don't have a vaccine and all that stuff. So unfortunately, you got at this point, though, you might as well just steamroll through do the Sasha Banks heel turn on Bayley. You know, build up your matches. I mean, use the talent you have. I mean, that I would just make the most sense in the world. Like, for example, MVP has a new faction. I like the fact that Shelton Benjamin's in it. Yeah. Shelton Benjamin has more personality than Bobby Lashley. <laughs> I'm sorry, but it's the truth. No, Bobby Lashley's a big dude, and, you know, we really want to see him fight Lesnar at SummerSlam and in, like, an MMA-type of bout but Lesnar is not coming back anytime soon, but Shelton Benjamin gives that group a little bit of a personality.
1: Right. Exactly. No, it it definitely does. And I've always said, Shelton Benjamin's so good in the ring. I mean, maybe not as much, but even back in the day, he never really got much credit for being an amazing wrestler. Yeah, he won the Intercontinental and United States titles a couple times, but he never got the push that he really deserved. Now that he's back again, I kind of want him to see I would kind of want to see like go further with this, but at the same time, like I don't because like he's he's older now, and like I would rather see like Kevin Owens, Andrade, Alistair Black, someone else, get the spotlight over him.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, they're figuring out some things. Like it's looking more and more likely that Ruby Riot's going to pair up with Liv again and kind of reform like two thirds of the Riot Squad, which is yeah. what we always wanted. I mean, I love Bianca Belair, but I think Bianca Belair is a better singles wrestler.
1: She is. You know, I,
0: think I, I would rather see her as a singles wrestler going for the title and all that stuff. I mean, Extreme Rules in general was bad. The swap match was okay, but it just got a little too – I think here's the problem I have with WWE now is that I feel like they've really jumped the shark since the Boneyard match because mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't know what to expect at the Boneyard match. It turned out to be really good. And then the Money in the Bank match, while it was silly, it was entertaining. Were you not yeah. entertained? Like I was, when
1: I was entertained 100 percent of the time watching the. Yeah, he
0: throws the pie at Laurinaitis. I thought that was I thought that was hilarious, you know. And then you kind of get to the Street Profits Viking Raiders match with like uh, what's his name, the Ninja. I forgot his name.
1: No, oh, Tazawa.
0: Tazawa. Uh, Kira Tazawa. And um, that was ridiculous because it had no winner and just made no sense. Yeah. And then you get to this match and it's like, yeah, it has the usual, you know, Bray Wyatt stuff and. It looks like the story they're telling is is that the fiend is trapping the old Bray Wyatt, in like you know, and then so maybe the eventuality is that Bray Wyatt's going to go back to his like Louisiana Bayou gimmick, which I loved. I mean, I'm a huge fan. And then there's Alexa Bliss. What is Alexa Bliss in this whole thing? Is she going to be Sister Abigail, or is this? I loved
1: it. That that was the that was like
0: the one really good thing because it was totally unexpected.
1: That that was like the one shining thing. I liked about the the swamp the swamp match. But other than that, like I'm watching and I'm like this is more of a movie production it is a fight. Like at least with the boneyard match, AJ and the Undertaker were, were fighting each other. This yeah. was this was not a, yeah, you had two guys try to beat up Braun and then like that was really and then and then Bray hit him with an oar a couple times. That was really for all the fighting. I'd say it was like 90% like movie. 10% fighting. I'm like, that's not what I want to see. I want to I watch a fight. Like, Just freaking watch. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, listen, overall,
0: at the end of the day, they still put on a good show. I, I mean, it was okay. Like, Actually, let me rephrase that. It was bad. <laughs> now that I think, about, I'm, I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, but the more I kind of think about it, the it fact right. that, I keep saying that the New Day has to be completely repackaged. They have to either yeah. be a heel tag team, or they just have to go away for a while and come back. Maybe when um, Xavier Woods comes back, um, the only thing I could say about Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura is, well, I love the fact that they're champions. You always get this vibe that they're not a true tag team. Yeah. And if there's one thing I hate is when they just pair up two randoms and make them a tag team. Well, you could no- just put Cesaro with Sheamus to bring back the bar,
1: as they've been a tag team together for so long. Well, that's what I was just about to say. I mean, I'm I'm f- kind of for because if you remember, that's how. Cesaro and Sheamus got put together. They were, they were all, they were like, I think it was like years ago. They were both like going on like this seven, like best of seven series. And it ended up being like game seven or match seven, whatever it was, ended up being like, they had a tie and Shane was just like, you know what? This was for the WWE title. But I didn't say which title. And they gave, he was like, you're both going to be fighting. I guess it was like the new day or the Usos, whoever it was. You guys will both be fighting yeah. them for the tag titles. And that's how the, that's how the bar formed. So I mean, exactly. And overall,
0: listen, I just think like you're 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 thinking. I don't know. I don't know if it's just McMahon overlooking the booking or whatever. I don't know what it is, but it's getting worse. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, right now, AEW is still kind of firing on a lot of cylinders. I will say one thing about AEW. After watching um, Fighter Fest, I watched the first two hours of Fighter Fest. um, I think Kenny Omega is very overrated.
1: You know what? You're not the only person. But
0: when Andrew was on last week, he said the same thing. Because I agree with Andrew a thousand percent. I'm like, I don't see what people say. Am I like, you know, and, and the thing was, you know, my wife's cousin, Keith, we talk wrestling all the time. And he's, a, you know, and the re- originally he's like, oh, Kenny Omega is amazing. But when I brought it up again today, he kind of said, he was like, yeah, I kind of agree with you. He's not really as good as he was in New Japan.
1: You know, I, 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 my, one of my best friends, he said the same, He says the same exact thing. He's like, Kenny, Kenny's overrated. And, I, and I, I love Kenny. And maybe it was just me drinking the Kool-Aid about Kenny Omega that he's the best in the world. Everybody God. did, bro. Everybody. I say, maybe I got to go back and watch some of these matches because I always thought, like, I'm like, oh, Kenny's up there with AJ. He's up there with Finn Daller. I the- could
0: argue right now that Pac is a better wrestler than Kenny Omega.
1: Yeah, I I think I got to go back and watch some of the, some of his matches because like I the mat, the couple that I've seen it was like Jericho versus him in New Japan and I watched that and like, oh like and then like I've seen some of the matches on EW, and they're like he, I'm like he's good. I mean, I I, I maybe I've just drank the Kool-Aid a little bit too much. Um some quick notes before we get out of here, as we were talking
0: about before, this is off wrestling now at this point. Um You know, the Woody Johnson thing today was just a huge mess, not necessarily for the organization, but more for him. Mm -hmm. And um, we don't know where the next bullet's going to be fired in that whole thing. Right. But um, it looks really bad. That's all you can really say right now. I don't know if the NFL is going to force him to sell. But how crazy would it be if the Mets and Jets had new owners by next year? That's crazy. Because, I mean. You know, know, like, first of all, we'd all be excited. I think you can both agree. Because let's call it what it is. Well, I respect what the Johnsons have done with the Jets, and it's not like they haven't spent money, man. Like, yeah. they definitely spent money. They've always given the green light to spend money, whether it was Tannenbaum, whether it was McCagman. They always got the green light. Like, some some article the other day wrote something like, the Jets are real misers with their money, and I almost flipped out on the writer. I literally almost flipped out on the writer. Two years ago, we gave Tremaine Johnson an insanely high contract that he ultimately didn't deserve. Last year, we gave Le'Veon Bell $52 million, and we were basically bidding against ourselves. And we made C.J. Mosley the highest-paid linebacker in the league. Yeah. Okay? Plus, Jameson Crowder got a lot more money than probably he should have. Mm -hmm. But he earned it last year with the season he had. Yes. Okay? So I don't want to hear this crap about how, you know, the Jets are cheap and all that stuff. That's a load of crap. Because when the Jets spend money, it's one thing to spend money. It's another thing to spend money wisely. Right. And one thing we learned under Tannenbaum and under McKagnon is you guys can hemorrhage that money all you want towards free agents. But if all it's going to do is give you an eight and eight season, then where's the success story. in that? Right. And Douglas has a little bit of a patient philosophy. And the thing was, is that Jamal Adams had tweeted something out earlier this week. I think it was on Monday where he basically said something like, Oh, big week coming up. And like, he was really excited basically is what he was saying. Now I'm going to take a guess and say the excitement wasn't about Woody Johnson. Okay, just I'm gonna get that out of the way. But then I started to ask myself, is it possible the Jets are talking to him about a deal, and we just don't know about it yet?
1: That's what I think because, like we mentioned on a uh, Monday show, it's we we seen like a turned leaf from Jamal. Like he's ready to, he's ready out, he's ready to play. He's gonna report to training camp. So maybe it's just you know something. Douglas you know, whatever. Someone, someone must have talked to him or whatever because he's definitely turned a new leaf, and he looks like he's like ready, ready for the season. and like, He must have calmed well, down. Listen, to we
0: said it all before. We, we said it all before. He has no leverage. Yeah. He has zero leverage right now. And the thing is, while Garrett got his deal, Mahomes got his deal, number one, they're premium position players. And right now, I don't think the Jets are ready to spend $100 million on a safety. Right. No disrespect, I don't I don't care how good he is. And I, I respect Jamal Adams. I respect what he brings to the team. I still say he's a tad bit overrated by the Jet fans, like that he's like the next Ronnie Lott. And just remember one thing, with Jamal Adams, they are 16 and 32.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay? That does not strike me as a guy who makes the team better. He's a good player. Yes. But the players around him, he doesn't make better. The secondary, he doesn't make Arthur Mallette better, or Bless Austin, you know, like, that's a little troublesome to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then today I saw something which kind of pissed me off, and I wrote back on it, and no one responded. Joe Caparoso, was from Pro Football Focus, I think is the magazine. Mm-hmm. He said, if you took your green and white jet blinders off, who would you rather have in the next two to three years, Kyler and Cliff Kingsbury or Sam and Gase?
1: Sam and Gase.
0: Okay. And I kind of wrote him back, and I said, I said, the problem with this question is, is that it's in a vacuum. You're asking me to make a decision right now when I can't do that because I don't know what Sam brings to the table yet.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So I'll read you what I wrote. And I think I, let me see if I can find it.
1: But even to go off that though, I mean, you can't pick a quarterback and a okay. coaching combination after just one year of seeing them. Yeah. Yes. Deandre Hopkins. But so here's what I wrote. I wrote, of course, everyone will pick Kyler and Cliff because of
0: their hatred for Gase. I saw enough out of Darnold in the second half of the year to give Gase a chance. Mm-hmm. Kyler and Sam's stats are practically identical. You can look them up. And that's with Sam missing three games and learning a new offense. So yeah. in other words, my point is, is that Sam plays a full season. He's having a better season than Kyler Murray. Yeah. Now, Kyler Murray may have a little bit of an advantage because they went out and got DeAndre Hopkins. Okay. But here's the problem I have. Number one, we got to stop. Now, all of a sudden, it's about how Cliff Kingsbury seems to be this amazing coach when the team went 5-10-1 last year. So he's not that amazing. Okay, so let's get that out of the way right now. Yes, he runs a very exciting offense and adding Hopkins to a team with Christian Kirk, you have Kenyon Drake, and you have uh, Larry Fitzgerald, fine. But they also play in a brutally tough division,
1: mm-hmm.
0: playing against San Francisco twice, Seattle twice, and those are playoff teams. San Francisco, definitely a playoff team. Seattle is definitely on the cusp of being a playoff team.
1: And so are the Rams. The Rams are still a tough team.
0: Okay. So the thing is, everybody's ready to anoint Kyler Murray the MVP. And I do think Kyler Murray is going to be a good player. But right now, judging by my second half of what I saw with Sam Darnold, I have to give Gase more time. Yeah. Because what I'm seeing right now is a a quarterback who is starting to get comfortable in this offense, which means – if he plays – and I hope to God he plays a full season this year. He could be very good. Mm-hmm. Is it out of the realm – remember we had Jake on and I asked Jake – excuse me. I asked Jake, I said, if Sam plays a full season, is it highly probable that he could have easily gotten a couple of extra wins and maybe even been a 4,000-yard passer?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not out of the realm of possibility, Clem.
1: It's not. No, and I no. – and, I,
0: and the thing is like I think this quarterback guru crap that everybody throws down Gase, that's what writers write about him. We know he's stubborn, we know he's arrogant we know exactly what he is. But here's my point. The players are a funny bunch on the Jets, right? Because when Rex Ryan was the coach of the team, everyone kept saying how, well, we would run through a wall for Rex and we love Rex and we're gonna we'll die for Rex and everything. And they did his braggadocious attitude and everything It rubbed off onto the players. And where did it get them? Outside of the two AFC championship games, it got them nothing but losing records for the next three years. They did nothing for three years. Okay. Now you get to Todd Bowles and everybody says the same thing about Todd Bowles, right? Players all over. I love Todd. Jamal said a few times he would ride or die with Todd and all that stuff. We love Todd. We, we, You know, we kill for the guy. We run through a wall for him and everything. What'd that get him? They had a golden opportunity in his first year to be a playoff team. They went into Buffalo against Rex and crapped the bed completely. Mm -hmm. No showed the game. Buffalo was out of it. it. They could have steamrolled Buffalo. Mm -hmm. And they went in with no game plan. They went in with nothing. Fitzpatrick was dreadful in that game, and they lost. And they knocked themselves out of the playoffs. And then two years after that were brutal under Todd Bowles. And now you have – see, the thing is, it's like, look, I'll take the drill sergeant coach if it gets me where I need to get. Players, you know, you had it your way under your player coaches. Now you're going to have to deal with a tougher tougher individual. And you got to grin and bear it. I don't know what Adam Gase is right now. I don't love his personality. I'm, he was not my first choice as coach. But if I see Sam developing the way he's developing, I have to – I have to put my faith in Gase and the fact that Sam is going to be in the same offense for a second year in a row, which remember he didn't have in a second year, right? He was under two different coordinators last year, learning two completely different offenses. And the fact that his stats were eerily similar to Kyler Murray. I mean, come on.
1: Well, I, I, I like Kyler Murray and I do think he's going to be a good good quarterback, but if we're looking at who's in a better situation right now, it's Kyler Murray, without a doubt. He has the, one of the best wide receivers in NFL history in Larry Fitzgerald. He has a top two wide receiver in, in, right now in DeAndre Hopkins. Christian Kirk is a great is – a, is a good slot guy. Kenyon Drake is not a bad running back to have. And then you look at what Sam has. He really, on paper, only has Le'Veon Bell. That is it.
0: And now, that's my thing, though, too. This is what Gase has to do now. You've got to get Bell involved And Bell seems to like him, whether Bell was just saying what he said, whatever, it's another story. It doesn't matter. Bell is a jet. I think overall – I think Gates gets a bit of a bad rap, to be brutally honest. But at the same time, you're bringing back a lot of the same offense, same players. Mm -hmm. The new guy is Denzel Mims. It's not a bad thing to be, you know – but it's just like – the question just exists in a vacuum. Of course everybody's going to take Kyler and Cliff Kingsbury – because they hate Gase, right? Right, exactly. And the thing is, I saw enough of the second half out of Darnold to know that maybe Gase is not as bad as people think he is.
1: That's what I'm saying. I mean, look, you give I, – I think if he never got mon- – if Sam never got mono during the season, the season looks completely different. Yeah, it did, mess up. did Gase mess up a few games? Yes. Like, we can't lose to the Dolphins and we can't lose to the, uh, the Bengals. Those are two games we should have got back, and we should have never lost to uh, the bu- the Bills week one. Okay, it's real easy to say
0: that now. Which I'm going to throw some shade on Prez because that was your defense collapse.
1: Yep, that was the defense.
0: Right. So when Sam wasn't playing healthy or 100%, then you're the captain of the defense. You've got to rally those troops. Exactly. Now, we were. R- Roberts had no business being out there to begin with because he sucks. Yeah. But- but- Jets rubbed 16 nothing in that game, and they should easily They should, easily should wanna... never have lost that game 17-16. That is a collapse on the defense. You want to blame it on Gase, fine. Everybody blames everything on Gase. But it's like Greg Williams did not do a great job keeping that team in the game. Yeah. No. So, all right. Anything before you get out – before we get out of here?
1: I'm just excited for sports to be back this week. I oh, know, man. I'm, I'm so excited.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize that today was NBA scrimmages, too.
1: I saw, yeah, I saw that on Instagram, and I was like, "Oh my God, this is."
0: Brooklyn's playing tonight against the Orleans, but I don't get NBA TV, so I can't watch it.
1: Like, I, I'm just so happy for it, for everything to be back. Like, I'm, like, uh, yeah, it's gonna be weird with no fans in the NBA and NFL, but we'll get like the four major sports back. Four major sports back event right now, and I'm so yeah, happy.
0: Hockey, hockey next Saturday. Good news it's gonna be on the NBC Sports Network. I get to watch the Islanders. All right, <laughs> so, so I'm actually very happy about that. Um, yeah, I mean, baseball starts tomorrow with the Yankees and Nationals, the Mets and Braves on Friday. The Mets made a couple of minor moves today, adding uh, Juan Garris back in New York on a minor league deal. And uh, they also added Brian Dozier, who has played for the Dodgers, played for the Padres, and uh, played for the Twins. Uh, those two will probably not be on the main roster. They're going to be part of that whole um,
1: – Like taxi cab? Yeah,
0: the taxi squad at MC uh, – uh, for the Cyclones, for the Cyclone Stadium, MCU Park. And uh, they released Melky Cabrera and Gordon Beckham today.
1: I, I'm fine with that. Look, I always liked Brian Dozier, big power the news guy. So. Is, man.
0: The good news for the Mets right now is that Jacob DeGrom is going to make the star Friday. I think that's, that's a huge, 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 huge piece of news right there.
1: But the bad news now is that Mark Stroman is now hurt.
0: Yeah, I know. He has a calf injury. Hopefully it's not serious. Hopefully it's not too bad. Let's see what happens. I mean, yeah. I think they may just have to go to a bullpen game one day. Depending they- on, you know, they may have to. I mean –
1: I mean, it,
0: I mean that's, it, that, that's a game you start Seth Lugo. I was
1: saying, look, the, the Rays thrived on it last year, and they were not a bad team at all. They yeah. won 90-something games, I think. You
0: have additional but pitchers. You're going to have to use them. You don't have a choice. Exactly. If like, that's the case, so maybe it doesn't. But if you push them back, maybe it's not so
1: bad. That's what I'm like, – I'm, like I even said it on past shows. I'm going to be very excited, not just for Luis Rojas, but like every manager, how they manage this season. Like, it's going to be very different. It's be unconventional. They're going to have to think this way, all managers in MLB.
0: The one thing about the Mets, too, I thought it was an insanely classy move that they made. Um, they made a cardboard cutout of um, Anthony Causey, the uh, mm-hmm. post photographer who passed away from COVID 19, who was mm-hmm. very well respected by not only the Mets, but the Yankees. So that was a pretty classy move. And they put him right in the photo booth in the front, like oh, where the photographers not... sit. Yeah. So I thought that was really awesome. That's going to do it for the Moffitt on the Mike show for today. A uh, special thank you to Jack Tomlinson from Creator pro uh, for coming on the show to talk some wrestling with us and uh, definitely check out his shirt at a uh, pro wrestling tees backslash. Was it JT?
1: JT Vlogs? I'm pretty sure it was.
0: JT vlog. So definitely check out the shirt, the new shirt for the Jack Tomlinson. Chris and I are very proud to be part of the, the newest members of the Jack pack. So we're pretty psyched. And definitely again, we hope that we can't wait for pro wrestling, creative pro in general to get back on its feet and, uh, getting putting shows together again so then when we go to the shows and we got to reach out we got to look out for vsk and jack and just kind of introduce ourselves
1: yeah we meet him in person
0: (laughs) i mean you know jack pretty well so i mean you know jack from from school so he'll probably recognize you right away and then if anything you know like hopefully we get to meet up with those guys and just say what's up but uh definitely uh follow jack on instagram follow him on twitter as as well uh just our next show we're going to have titan tennessee titans beat writer as well as for LSU football, we're going to be talking to Chrissy Freud from USA Today. So we're pretty psyched about her coming on the show on Friday. And then next Monday, we're going to have Mark Salino from Statement Games joining us. We're going to talk some fantasy sports. Uh, for and, and he's going to give us a little bit of background on what Statement Games really is. I kind of got it, but I kind of don't. I'm not, that's not to be disrespectful to Mark. It's, um, it was just a little confusing for me. So I want to have him elaborate on what Statement Games actually, like how the games are played and all that stuff. Right. Clem, thank you for holding it down like you normally do. Everyone, subscribe to the show on Spotify. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Uh, our interviews with Kim Moisa, Islanders superfan, is now available. We also have interviews with VSK from Creative Pro, Andrew Gross from the New- the Islanders B-Writer for Newsday, Tim Healy, Mets B-Writer for Newsday. Uh, we have a lot of interviews up, so definitely check them out. Feedback, always appreciated. On behalf of Chris Clem, by the way, breaking news, Mookie Betts is officially signing a 12-year, $365 million extension with the Dodgers.
1: Jeez, man, must so, be nice.
0: <laughs> hey, man, well-deserved. Well-deserved as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, definitely. He's a
0: quality player, and I think you knew the Dodgers had to sign him long-term. No way they're going to give up that kind of prospects and not get Mookie Betts signed.
1: Exactly, yeah. Well,
0: tough break, Mets fans, because we thought with Steve Cohen maybe it would come through, but there's always Nolan not. <laughs> 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 on behalf of Chris Clem, I am Craig Moffitt. This has been the Moffitt on the Mike Show. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, as well as the A1 Sports Network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, that's it. Clem, I will talk to you Friday, where once again we'll have Tennessee Titans beat writer as well as LSU football beat writer Chrissy Freud from uh, USA Today. Have a great have a great one, everybody, and we'll be back with our next show on Friday. Take it easy, Clem. Oh, Clem. Yes. Now that the show is over.